Scribbity scrubbity screw. Maybe. Or perhaps an old Martino. Yes. I feel a sense of deja vu. Would you like to get behind your mic so people can hear you? Oh. <laughs> are you trying to rhyme or are you just accidentally being a poet? Did I rhyme? Yeah. I feel a sense of deja vu. Accidental crime. Go to get behind your mic so people can see you. Oh, fuck. Oh. What, 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 what? You don't fucking edit these things. I don't know if you can tell. Oh, fuck. I don't know if you can tell um, from that these cock wombles are a different colour. One of them looks a bit. That's anyway, what she said. Um, yeah, Firebolt, you have injured yourself, haven't you? You decided to go. The streets of Aberdeen are not safe to walk. Yeah, but apart from that, you decided to injure yourself, didn't you? I didn't decide to. <laughs> you did. You decided. I decided to as much as I decided gravity exists. To place yourself on the floor in an awkward way. Well, it was either that or go head first. I've, I've um, banged up my knee. <laughs> banged up my knee. So now I limp around. Looking sorry. You got a limp, what? I limp around looking sorry. Mm. Um, we're in a different venue tonight. Oh, yeah. Which I'm sure you can all tell from the superior acoustics. <sighs> Welcome to my boudoir. I mean, my studio. What is a boudoir? I don't know. Should we look it up? Um, I'm not sure I want to know, actually. I've got a feeling it might be something sexual. And bearing in mind my studio is also my bedroom. It's a woman's bedroom or a small private room. Yeah. What's a small private room? It's where you... Keep your privates. It's where you keep your small privates. Oh. Why is it particularly a... <laughs> woman's bedroom, pardon me. Because misogyny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what the fuck are we going to talk about today? Humanity. Oh, what? It's a what? What? Humanity. Is there any such thing? No, I'm just calling out to the manatee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is a manatee? It's a type of animal. <laughs> yeah, but what what type of animal is it? Is it some kind of uh, isn't it some kind of marine animal? I, I think it is from the big blue wet thing. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, <laughs> it nearly got me. Oh, what the fuck! This is going to be supreme. Uh-huh. I feel like chicken tonight. Ah. <sighs> I've got no idea what we're going to talk about tonight. You're knackered and still half-wasted and hung over from last night because you drank half a bottle of Vod. Vod? I mean, it was Voddy? 
that I woke up very confused at five in the morning, genuinely thinking I'd started bleeding and being a bit confused because I was dressed as a vampire as to whether those things were linked. Was it vomit? Well, it was vomit, but like it was really red for some reason. Red vomit? That's worrying. I think it might have been the Coke. Perhaps mixed with the tomato sauce on your pizza. Yeah, maybe. And the meat. I don't know. It, it, it added to my costume. Um. <laughs> Although sometimes I find, like, if I'm very pissed or slightly hungover or whatever, it affects... The colours in my vision, sometimes. Sometimes colours are different when I wake up with a hangover. Okay. But, but, okay. That's uh, it, that's all I had to say on the subject. Yeah, I've had a very strange 24 hours. Um, I've had a strange, very strange 49 years. Oh, that's true. No, What's I, going on? I was playing Never Have I Ever. Um, oh, I'm back delivering pizzas. Come I on. drank quite a bit you did. due to that. You did. I thought it was fine, and then I think I fell asleep while watching something. Yeah. And Vodka does that. Then woke up. Did you finish that last drink, by the way? What? You said you'd put another drink at the end of your Never Have I Ever game, and you still had some left. When you came in here, and I was trying to get my assignment done, Oh, remember that? <laughs> and you lay on the bed and listened to my noisitude. No, at that point I was onto straight vodka. I'd run out of coke. <laughs> yeah, but what I mean is, you, you'd put another one, and you said because we'd we'd discussed you you having some water before you went to bed, and you said, "Well, yeah, but I've still got a drink, a drink left that I just poured." Oh, I I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was very fucking pissed well, at that point. I'm appropriately enough drinking Corona Extra. I've got Sam Adams. Mm. Ah. Brian Blessed. <laughs> Gordon's alive! Well, Showing me age there. What the fuck is Gordon Brown up to these days? I don't know, but Keir Starmer's pissing me off. Yeah. As we as should, in general is, is the whole... We should probably get into that in the actual podcast. Yeah, I'd like to recommend... Uh, yeah, shall we start? Yeah, maybe. Go on then. <sighs> Hello. As if I'd let you. <laughs> I, I saw it coming that time. That's what he said. Hello, Internet. I'm Fireball. And I'm the Orbiter. You seem in a very chipper mood. Oh, gotta be, because we've got to get... Well, it's like, I've been, I've been at work, and it's nearly quarter to ten in the evening, and I've got to... Potentially keep going for another. Um, well, how long have we been recording now? Um, yeah, possibly a couple of hours. I don't know. Will we make that much today? Yeah, probably. It's a quite a big subject. Welcome oh, to. Is it, is it though? It's can getting you, smaller though. Can you fuck it's off? It's getting smaller all the time. No, it's getting bigger all the time. <laughs> no, well, 
Mm, yeah, I suppose. Mm, yeah. But it might be getting smaller soon. Well, okay. Um, We'll get into that. Welcome to... Have we started yet? Ep- yes. Episode, uh, what is it? 71. Sure. Yes. Okay. Welcome to episode 71 of Breaking Bollocks. I was born in 71. That you were. I was. That I was indeed. Did you know that 2050 is, is as close to today as 1990? Uh, yes. Well, it doesn't feel like it, does it, though? Uh, no. Well, the, this is a, <laughs> well, you weren't even alive in 1990, so... Yeah, but it's, I still have that sort of, like, vague sort of... I was already having sex and taking drugs in 1990. Uh, I mean, I guess time does pass quicker in that sense. <laughs> a bit like 30 years ago, probably. Um, yeah. There was something that came up the other day. Genesis are going on tour again, apparently, and there was... People, people like Facebook's full of fucking idiots. Obviously, people, people saying, still saying, it's not Genesis without Peter Gabriel. It's like you know the guy hasn't sung with them for almost fifty years. Yeah, <laughs> it's like <laughs> I feel like this is something you've spent an unusual amount of time annoyed about. <laughs> well, it's like I mean, you know. It's a long, long time to be to be holding it, especially when Genesis is Genesis is Genesis is Genesis. I can't get past Genesis's main output and and success was under Phil Collins' um, leadership, if you like. Anyway, this isn't a Phil Collins podcast. No, but it's part of the news. Okay, um, <laughs> Tim Minchin's doing a a live. Um, on online concert thing. Okay. Where you can come and sit next to him on his piano stool. Uh, how will that work? Well, not literally. I mean, v- virtually. Online. Well, yeah, but like, is that like VR? Oh, I don't know. No, I don't know if he's doing it VR wise. Just kind of. Um, but he's selling tickets for it. Okay. Um, that's the other thing. Oh, yeah, lockdown's happening. Oh, yeah. When this goes out, we'll be uh, England will be going into lockdown that day. There's quite a big thing that you're missing out here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but... The US election will have happened by the time this goes out. Yeah, so how the fuck do we talk about that now? Well, we could sort Sorry. of speculate, but... <laughs> yeah, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to potentially be completely fucking wrong. I mean, there's, there's only two ways it can go. And there are there? multiple ways it can go, um, depending. I mean, if Biden wins, there are multiple ways that that can go. Yeah, what do you think will happen if Biden officially wins on Tuesday, is it? Or Wednesday, early hours of Wednesday morning here? Yeah. Um, we know how long they take to count the votes, anyway. Well, that's the thing. A lot of them are going to be um, early votes because, like, people don't want to go to polling stations because of coronavirus, mm. and disproportionately, those are Democrats. So they have theorized that there's possibly going to be a situation where the results on election night might favor Trump, but 
once they actually count up all the mail-in ballots, like <clears throat> this is a that'll change. On, uh, I was going to say it's a slight digression, but actually, it's a complete change of subject. Um, uh, and talking about, I, I just I, I'm annoyed about I'm I'm getting ranty about dicks on Facebook. Somebody complaining about the Black Lives Matter thing. What was it? It was a uh, yeah, that was it. There was a um, the Chase had put up a question to celebrate the last day of Black History Month. Had put up a question asking, um, giving options as to when the Black Lives Matter movement was founded, and it was like twenty thirteen, twenty fifteen, I think, and twenty seventeen. No, twenty seventeen, twenty nine. I don't know. They were different years anyway. And and some cunt had put, um, who cares? You don't get every other damn nationality complaining about how hard they've had it. <laughs> so I I had to I had to respond. I'm afraid. Oh dear. I said you do know black isn't a nationality, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I used to respond to people on Twitter like that but you just sort of give up after a while because people that go on there posting that sort of thing aren't looking to have their minds changed quite clearly No, but they're inviting people to rip them a new one, aren't they? Yeah, I guess it's cathartic <laughs> Yeah um. But um, we the election, this isn't really any particular news, I just thought it might be interesting insight um mm. today um i am part of uh the aberdeen model united nations and uh model model yeah yeah sorry i i, I didn't know if it, if my ears are hearing correctly because i thought you said modern said model okay um they do this thing called crisis, which is essentially instead of playing like a country, you play like a specific character. In this case, it was the American election. I played Cedric Richmond, who I legitimately never heard of before this. Is he real then? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I think he's the representative for New Orleans. Oh, okay. Uh, I managed to get him to be... Uh, uh, Attorney General, which is quite good. Cool. Uh, but is that the one that Trump's just? No, that's the su- Supreme Court judge, isn't it? That yeah. Disappointed. Um. But basically, what happened in that? And this isn't really representative of what would actually happen because uh, we have far less to lose, uh, obviously. So um, Trump won the election only just uh, in our. One, we managed to flip Texas, though. Uh, I was part of the Democrats, by the way. So um, we got Joe Biden to kill himself to mm-hmm. lure Trump and Pence into the same funeral, and we tried to assassinate them. But I, 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 I still don't understand fully why, or like what the rationale behind this was. But um, Mike Pence was wearing a suicide vest, um, so they shot that. This sounds like it was a it was a, a dream. <laughs> uh, than I was very confused. Is it like a role playing thing? Yeah, I was very confused at the start of it because um, I 
never done this sort of thing. So like, I didn't really know. I think I spent like half a day just sitting in Washington going, oh, what should I do? <laughs> yeah. Um, but y- yeah, th- so they both died. Nancy Pelosi, who is a Democrat, ended up being president. Uh, a-, a white nationalist militia rose up in Michigan and then civil war broke out. So it was a, an interesting day then. Yeah. I feel more relaxed on this podcast because I'm just like chilling out in my room instead of being sat at the table, feeling all official. And um, so in other news, um, as representatives, as first representatives this year of Aberdeen University Bridge Society, is that what they're called? Bridge Club. Me and my partner came third in the, oh, yes. in the tournament. You keep brushing your fucking piano thing. It's annoying. Oh, oh. I could play as a tune halfway through the podcast. You could, but you won't. Nah, I haven't been practicing. (laughs) Um, Don't tell my teacher. Plus, if it's copyrighted. We're eating pizzas like three or four times a week again now, aren't we? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Very healthy. Very student. Pardon me. That's the intellectual part of the podcast over with. In other news, um, the Tories have voted to starve children. Oh, that was ages ago. Yeah, I think it was since the last podcast, though. Yeah. Yeah, but have you noticed how they've... Um, I mean, on the, <laughs> it's just the timing always seems to... They always seem to be able to bury bad news under a, a bigger story. It's almost story. like they pay people for it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's um. I don't, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not holding out much hope for for. Well, not. It's not really a, an issue of hope for me. I'm actually quite. I know for a lot of people, it's a it's a difficult time with jobs and stuff. But I I I I'm not actually having that hard a time with the coronavirus thing. It's actually made things less stressful and easier for me. And I think because I got myself into a job delivering for a food company that that has been open throughout it, that's, I mean, you could call it luck, but it was kind of half by design because I I saw it come in and I thought, if I'm going to get a job, I'm going to get one delivering food because that's going to keep going. That happened in March, so. I mean, you always sort of want to try and see the silver lining of things like this. Um, It's making studying easier because I've got gigs and stuff to prepare for. And while it would probably be easier doing like social events in person, I am extremely introverted and find that fucking well, terrifying. See, this this links as well with the fact that um, obviously on sort of student income uh, and no gigs and stuff, there is less money coming in. Um, but the good thing about about the situation at the moment is that there's not that much to spend it on. And it's not like we can we can go like booking holidays and I mean, you know, I bought a, a TV and an Xbox and stuff. It's like but once that's done it's kind of well you know. I mean we're going out for a meal on Monday, aren't we? Well we still can. I don't know what's gonna happen here though. I mean we're Scotland's actually the best off at the moment, isn't it? In terms of the, the progression of the of the whole coronavirus thing at the moment. 
Yeah, I think that's because we've kind of pretty consistently been in lockdown. Like, we haven't, like, had a... Yeah, not full lockdown. No, but we've... We haven't lifted it the same way that England did and then had to go, like, quite drastically into something more... I mean, we, we haven't been allowed in each other's households for quite a while have we um we've been in we've been in a semi-lockdown for quite a while yeah um so it's like we are able to at the moment keep things going pretty much as they have been in that we can't go in each other's houses but we can meet one other household at restaurants and stuff whereas in england from thursday from the day this podcast goes out all of that shit's going to be shut down basically it'll just be supermarkets hospitals essential workplaces that can't work from home schools colleges and universities which i mean it's really you can't i mean you can criticize the government for the way they've handled the whole situation but you can't really pretend that there is a win to be had um they could have done things a lot better but at the same time there isn't there isn't a a right way to deal with all of this from where we are now there probably would have been at one point well i mean you could start by like actually properly going into lockdown early yeah that's what i mean but it's too late now and um and the other thing well is telling people to go out and eat the thing is as well with the lockdown it's like i'm not saying that they should shut down schools and colleges and universities but if they don't, it's still gonna. I mean, you know, even though that it doesn't affect the younger generation as badly, they still carry it, and they're still going to be coming together and then taking it home. Mm. You know, up until at least second of December is is the way it is at the moment, isn't it? But um, funnily enough, though, I mean, I'm not one to criticize the media and journalists for finding fault with the government um and i completely like the fact that laura kunzberg's brought this up but um i thought some people are not gonna like that she's even thought about it is is that there is the beginnings of some people saying well um the the situation's been handled so badly you could imagine that it wouldn't be too far fetched for people to start looking at demanding a, a ge- uh, another general election before the 5 years is up <laughs> because boris well, has fucked it up I so heard, monumentally i i did see something about um boris johnson basically complaining that he doesn't earn enough as prime minister so i think there's a non-zero chance that he might just get bored of it essentially and go well actually i have more power <laughs> elsewhere I, we haven't heard much about donald cummings recently he's still just lurking there donald isn't he cummings. Oh, i fucking always say this dominic cummings um i mean you know cut from the same cloth yeah but um yeah it's all it's all just corruption. Anyway, links with all of this, I would highly recommend. Um, you know who George Monbiot is? Yes. Um, he's go and check out his YouTube channel. Uh, he's a, a columnist in the Guardian, um, spelt 
M-O-N-B-I-O-T, his surname, George Monbiot. I'm um, sure you've mentioned him before. Well, he's just done a like a short report, video report thing, which was loosely based around an article that he wrote about the corruption in government surrounding the whole coronavirus thing with contracts being given and money being thrown at private companies at the expense. Basically, to, I mean, this is something that I thought um, has, has essentially happened throughout of this, but especially in the last few weeks, is that they're basically the Tories have basically sacrificed hundreds, thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of people on the altar of capitalism, basically. Well, the, the <laughs> sort of reopening the economy thing, which seems to me to just reek of a fucking death cult around money. I get it. I get, I get, I mean, it's difficult. I, I don't agree with the principles of capitalism, but it's, it's difficult to think of uh, in terms of an entirely different system when you've been in that capitalist system your whole life. Yeah, people um, just tend when they like start trying to describe communism, they just start describing capitalism like, oh, everyone gets exploited, nobody owns their work. Yeah. Um, but I mean, um, there was a whole thing. Uh, there was a guy. Basically, what I'm trying to get through to, uh, and and I'm not getting doing very well at it. Double Down News is a channel on a crowdfunded channel. Uh, you can. You can subscribe to them on Patreon, apparently, but Double Down News is a channel on YouTube, which is basically, I don't know if it's run by George Monbiot, but he has a lot to do with it. Um, basically, uh, non-capitalist reporting that's not under the umbrella of like Rupert Murdoch and all his cronies, um, trying to be honest about stuff without any sort of payoffs. They're based, they're funded through Patreon. Um, but there was a guy on there who was talking about the weaponization of um, anti-Semitism. Ah, right. The, well, this segues uh, quite well into another news item. Jeremy Corbyn has yeah. been suspended from the Labour Party. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you say the Labour Party. I, I don't know. I can't... I. The Labour Party aren't the Labour Party are as much the Labour Party now as they were under Tony Blair for me. Um, there's a lot of people are saying people uh, seem to like un- that for some reason. Well, yeah, but that's the that's the. I mean, seeing Keir Starmer coming out basically saying that Jeremy Corbyn made them unelectable and stuff, and it's like, well, he very nearly did it. To be honest, if it weren't for Brexit, he probably would have stood a good chance. Mm. But the 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 ideology seems to be changing the political position to give you a chance of being elected and it's like well where's the where's the principles in that you know i mean jeremy corbyn you can't you can't say that he was he didn't stick to his principles like <laughs> yeah I mean, he's basically a, an old hippie isn't he but he he didn't kind of and I think this idea, uh, the, the guy that was on the Double Down News thing was actually, I think uh, he had uh, uh, Jewish parents, so he was brought up Jewish, and he and he was just really insulted by the way that capitalism has basically hijacked um, 
that whole anti-Jewish thing and weaponized it. Yeah, it does it really very insulting. much strike me that that's what people focus on, which, while there definitely is anti-Semitism there, I personally don't think like that was really the leadership that was doing that. They probably could have done well, more to stop it. But The thing is, I think some of it is... Not all of it, like you say, the... the there probably was a certain amount of anti-Semitism there, but it's difficult. That I'm sure there's a like a not a, a, a defined line. I'm sure it's there's a grey area where you get people criticizing Israel, and then you get people reacting to that criticism, and it, it it's a very fine line to walk between actually then it, it beginning to get sucked into you know I think that's people basically conflating Israel as representative of all Jewish people either well, that, there is a some people criticizing Israel using that as a justification to criticize all Jewish people but also some people who take criticism of Israel that has nothing to do with that as being criticism of all Jewish people. Well, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because Jewish means two different things. It's, I mean, they're very closely linked, but there's the Jewish culture, there's the Jewish kind of... Um, Generally... I don't, know, I don't know if you'd call them a race, but... Well, there's the religion side of things, and then it's like an ethnicity. Really. Yeah, yeah. Um, Generally, people seem to talk more in terms of the ethnicity but imagine i mean that would surely that would be the same as people assuming that if you're white you're a christian um i mean it's basically sort of um words i remember seeing a thing about um why judaism hasn't spread as much in the way as like um Christianity and Islam have. And I think it's because like um maybe there is that cultural thing that it, I mean I, I there's sort of it there's not so much of a focus on conversion. It's more about sort of protecting the chosen people. Yeah, in which case it is like a you know it's a hereditary thing more than an evangelical thing. Yeah. Um. Which, I mean, is maybe a controversial thing to say, but does that not feel kind of uncomfortably close to the whole idea of, like, an Aryan race? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> Basically, what Israel is, it's kind of a very imperialistic way of trying to establish kind of an ethnostate. And already, us talking about this... It's a it's a very difficult subject to not think. Am I being, or could I be coming across as anti-Semitic? In what I'm saying, it's um, it's a complex subject, isn't it? I mean, it's sort of looking at the Labour Party more generally with how it's going. I think there's been quite a few suspensions recently. 
um, sort of it, it seems to me it's sort of trying to sort of it, it's that infighting thing again I think it, it, it's sort of criticising itself far more harshly than I've ever seen Keir Starmer criticise the government I mean it's not the Tories I don't think but it is the, the, the kind of capitalist nature of society kind of almost infiltrating the left there is there is a split there I think and there there have been quite a lot of people suggesting that Jeremy Corbyn should just set up a new party a proper left party yeah but they tried that like with Change UK and nobody got on board with that what was that? It was um, the Remain Tories and Labour people, essentially, and some Lib Dems, I think. Yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't a left party that they were trying to set up. That was no, but it's, it's one and, of these. And of, Labour were quite far left at that point. Anyway. A new split, I guess. Yeah. Um, it, te- it tends not to go so well. But it was into territory that that should have already been covered, really. Yeah. Um, by by the. Uh, Liberal Democrats. This is something that like really annoys me. Um, with, with all politics, but particularly with like the American uh, political system, is there's just almost no room for anyone further left. <clears throat> that well, like Biden is like definitively quite right wing. Like yeah, he's almost a conservative well as against trump's happened he's for, been branded talking as about like a socialist um, that kind of overton window concept that's something that's happened i think since the last episode is uh, i can't remember the name but the, that um supreme court judge has been elected haven't they um, yeah so that's a lifetime of the supreme court the highest kind of person Which, in the in the judicial system in america being when so Obama right was wing. trying to appoint someone, they said, oh, no, we can't do it in election year. Mm. Still did that. I don't know. It's all, it's all... Oh, that's another thing, actually, which, again, has probably slipped under the radar. I remember thinking, oh, we'll have to mention that. Um, is it the Antarctic or the Arctic? Where is it that they've got the ice shelf that's kind of falling apart? Um, kind of both, but um, probably the Arctic. Um, the you know that there's I think there's I think they said there's four um, major events which scientists believe uh, will um, herald uh, a rapid acceleration in climate change, um, like tipping points, um, and one of them seems to be happening now in either the Arctic or the Antarctic, but basically um, large amounts of methane are being released. Um, I think they said it was something like 80%. Uh, it was something to do with eight. It was either eight times more concentration of methane or 80 times or something, I don't know. But anyway, a hell of a lot more methane. I think it's... Um you're possibly thinking of how much more damaging methane is than carbon. Yeah, yeah, but it's accelerate. What I'm saying is, it's accept that they. It's been, um, sort of long theorized that once that starts happening, that will, um, cause an, a rapid acceleration in climate change because of the amounts of, 
something that gets released. The greenhouse is methane's a, a much worse greenhouse gas than yeah than carbon, carbon dioxide. dioxide. Yeah, also carbon monoxide, but that's released less. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> it is interesting looking because, uh, like we're doing biology, I've looked at sort of the evolutionary history and. The climate's a large part of what's actually influenced evolution over yeah. time. Mm. So we've done a little bit about the sort of runaway effects, um, basically leading to the evolution of leaves, um, yeah, which sort of led to a rapid decrease in carbon levels, but they kind of needed to have that little kickstart um, mm. to have these bigger leaves. Just... Getting back to politics momentarily. Um, the Far East, what are they mainly politically? Uh, depends. Where In you terms are. of, I don't, I don't mean are they um, authoritarian or libertarian. I mean, are they left or right in general? G- generally, uh, from what I've seen, because I, like, I, I've probably mentioned this, I did that whole thing where, like, I, researched a bunch of countries' political systems and then tried to run elections on them. I've kind of given up on that, but I do remember some things from it. Generally, because they didn't really have that whole Red Scare thing as mm. much as the West, that Overton window's a lot further left from what I can garner. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it'll vary quite a bit, especially with like America's influence in Japan and South Korea. Yeah, yeah. But... It's just I found it interesting that the Far East um, and qu- quite a lot of countries in the Far East and also New Zealand as well seem to be the countries which are all but back to normal with coronavirus. They've they've dealt with it and they are keeping it dealt with very efficiently com- comparatively with us. Well, a lot of them would have... A, a lot of the sort of, uh, like China and um, even India, um, also Japan, would have had those face masks partially for pollution already. Yeah. But also, yeah. uh, I noticed like Japan, J- Japanese culture is a lot more focused on like cleanliness. Yeah, they don't. Um, I was hearing they don't. They don't do tissues. No, well, they have like the B days, don't they? Yeah, so toilet paper. Well, yeah, but I mean, you get them in in France and Spain and that, um, but well, not instead of. That's in addition to. Yeah. Uh, mm. Well, it, I mean, toilet paper as a concept doesn't really make a whole lot of sense when you think about but that, it. But the idea of um, blowing your nose on on a tissue—that's not something that they that they do. It's like they either let it run or or they wipe it on something, but they don't put it on a tissue and then, you know, put the tissue in a bin sort of thing. That whole thing of a handkerchief is not a thing they do. Yeah, right. Because I suppose it's it's basically capturing germs on a on a particular thing, isn't it? It's not it's not kind of. Although I did, I don't know if this is bollocks, and I don't really want to spread bollocks if it is bollocks, but. Don't want to spread your bollocks. No, I did read something about. Um, I shouldn't bring it up because it's one of those things that could be utter bullshit, and I don't like saying things like that. Well, say it, and then we can fact check it. Okay. 
Um, I read an article somebody had um, shared about the uh, problems that have happened with pandemics over the last century. There's been two, isn't there? It's been the one that was like about 100 years ago. Is it 1912? There's a pandemic virtually every year. 1950s or something. But anyway, basically saying that um, one of the biggest killers turned out in the end to be bacterial pneumonia because of the face masks that were kind of um, capturing and uh, what would you call it? Uh, concentrating germs. That's not how the immune system works. <laughs> no, no, it did. That's why I said I didn't really want to. Pardon me. If your uh, body can't just get rid of an infection uh, on its own, it will produce antibodies to try and deal with it. And that's kind of where you get your symptoms from. Yeah. But, um, so it couldn't uh, have been bacteria building up on face masks then that that couldn't contribute to an increase in pneumonia. No, because your body kind of learns how to deal with it. It has uh, your adaptive immune system has memory essentially, mm. which I think most people know. It's just sort of the details. Although it has, um, it does look like people um, over time who've had coronavirus um, lose the antibodies and can catch it again. Well, it won't um, always uh, produce antibodies because if you're basically you have like the sort of several lines of defense. Yeah, but what I'm saying is people who have who have had the antibodies that after a few months they've they've disappeared and they've so basically that whole thing about um, being immune to it if you've already had it isn't doesn't it doesn't seem to be holding out with. Well, yeah, they basically because um, I've uh, the module that I've just done on my other course is on microbiology and disease, so mm. it gives some interesting insight. Um, what my lecturer was saying on that was um, they basically aren't finding antibodies as much as they'd normally expect to, yeah. so they think that the innate immune system is dealing with that first. Right. So it, it never really gets to the point where you produce uh, specific antibodies. Right, okay. In most people. but mm. it, It's one of these things that's sort of like, it's a novel disease, so a lot of details about it we won't know for quite a while. Yeah... Anyway, um, do we have much more? It's difficult not to talk about coronavirus and and the election, the US election. And uh, one thing that I did want to mention, read the sort of um, anti-Semitism report is oh, yeah. there doesn't seem to be much focus on Islamophobia in the Tory party, which seems far more rampant to me among like the leadership. Yeah, because... And Islam isn't really well. They're kind of anti-capitalist, aren't they? Islam, uh, not anti, but you know, really. what I mean, they're they're not really, 
there is there is historically a kind of I don't know if it's uh, justified, but there is a kind of implied connection between Jews and capitalism, isn't there? In the kind of acquisition of wealth, kind of only really in the way thing. that like Nazi propaganda was kind of trying to exploit socialism to target Jews. Right. Okay. But are we sure that's necessarily gone away completely? No, I mean, these stereotypes have been around for centuries. Mm. Um, I mean, in different forms, but... Yeah. So, uh, yeah, humanity. Um, No, the thing that I wanted to mention was um, it promised to launch an investigation into... Islamophobia and the Tory party at the election. Things. Also, the, the whole election interference thing, I don't think anything's did happened ever, that yet. Did they ever um, publish that Russia report? No. They, it, it, yeah, it came out that they just didn't fucking investigate, didn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. They just forgot to do it because it would be wildly incriminating. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like... you, you get jaded i mean at least i suppose in scotland we've got a technically we've got a, the potential for a for a, a get out clause if you like see i find it funny getting emails from the labor party because i kind of used to like sign petitions from when jeremy corbyn was there so i get emails occasionally talking about how i should vote against the smp here it's like well if you want the Tories out, they're the best chance here because you ain't got a fucking chance where we are. I'm and not also, sure Labour standards. I'm, I'm pretty. I, from what I gather, I think Labour have probably got as much chance of the Tories up here. Now, all right. It was pretty close in the election. What was? I see. Yeah, no, I mean, I just mean in general throughout Scotland, I think Labour and the Tories have got as much chance of each other as each other of getting seats. Oh, right. Well, it'll all depend on where, though. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think... But basically... Uh, is, is it Moray? We're, we're right next to a... Might be Deeside, I don't know. There's somewhere near us that's, that's conservative. Yeah, like yeah. Moray and Bampshire. Yeah. Yeah, our, our constituency was pretty close. Um. Um, but uh, uh, I mean, at this point, it's sort of like Scottish. Some Scottish is it Scottish government? It's elections. Spring next year, I believe. Yeah. Possibly May. So that's to elect the MSPs, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, for Holyrood. Um, I don't know. With that, I'd probably vote Green, but uh, it depends on whether I need to do any tactical voting because we have a different got, voting system. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm, I'm. My plan at the moment is to vote SNP until we've got independence, and then switch to Scottish Greens. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like with, I mean, very different parties, but sort of like um, with the with UKIP or the Brexit party, they sort of became pointless after that actually happened. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the SNP would, in that sense, because they have a lot more policies. The UKIP only really yeah, have one. they they do kind of want <clears> to actually. 
Leeds, Scotland, somewhere. It's not to just, be fair. We want out a lot of a lot of the SNP policies do align with a lot of Scottish Greens policies. Scottish Greens yeah. actually have a quite a quite a big influence because they tend to demand things of the SNP, and the SNP are like, yeah, that seems fine. Um, <laughs> just it's kind a of very different experience watching Scottish Parliament like proceedings, like the debates. It's just like. Someone brings something up, it actually gets dealt with. Yeah, they're not just like screaming at each other, going ray ray ray. Although you do get the you do get the Tory and and to a certain extent the Labour, the few Labour MPs that there are, MSPs, should we say, um, do tend to be quite vocal in their moaning and whinging and criticism, and it's just like it, it tends to be sort of it's just, just so predictable, sort of piping up about the union. It, it's yeah. sort of little snide sort of oh well we need to stay in this thing because that's your main policy even though it could be talking about an entirely different thing mm. I don't know mm. so yeah I mean we're supposed to be keeping travel between the four nations down to a minimum yeah Wales is essentially just shut down yeah, they're at the moment, but I think I can't remember when it's due to come to an end. Their national lockdown is due to come to an end soon, I think, because they did it over the school holidays. I think. Does anyone know what the fuck's happening in Northern Ireland? Um, I think they're under quite a high lockdown. They've got quite a high concentration of cases per because they measure it per cases per ten thousand or something, don't they? Or cases per a thousand? I don't know. Generally, Scotland's the lowest. Um, Hundred thousand, is it? it? Depends. Um, well, whatever it was that they're measuring it in, I think they had about one hundred and eighty per whatever. Um, I think England was. I mean, obviously, it's across the whole country because there are places where there's a lot more and places where there's a lot less. But Scotland were only like a hundred cases. Um, I think Wales was like about hundred and. 60 or something in, in England. No, the Wales was 140 and oh, I can't remember. Okay. Scotland's Scotland's got the the best at the moment, the best rates or least bad rates, should we say? Um, I mean, I think it's the most sparsely populated and um we've had pretty good consistent rules as well. Yeah, I mean the central belt's been yeah. I noticed it when I went down to get my eyes done for the day. I, I really noticed. I mean, there are a lot of people around in town, but it was really difficult just getting something to eat, really. That wasn't just like a takeaway kind of, you know. Um, do you have any... Oh, well, uh, one more thing. This is slightly off topic, but... um. Things are happening in Poland. Oh, go on, then what's happening there? Uh, well, essentially, uh, the government there has put a ban on abortions. Mm. And I think yeah. one of People the largest protests since the fall of the Soviet Union well, happened. See, did they not try this a couple of years ago and they had a massive protest at the time? Uh... Sure, it might not. The last time they tried to ban abortions, there there was a massive public outcry about it, and they ended up backing down. 
I do not remember. No, I don't remember it. It was just in, in the news um, item that, that was about this particular thing. Yeah, I think governments of Poland and Hungary have been t- slowly um, sort of breaking down uh, like their constitutional rights, kind of. Yeah, on a kind of semi-linked subject, I suppose, um, I did notice that the Scottish government of I don't know if it's definitely happening yet, but it looked like it was very close to being agreed to happen. Otherwise, or it already has that they're going to discuss um, assisted dying for terminally ill oh. patients. I think New Zealand also just voted to legalise that. Yeah, there was reference to that as well. I think, to be honest, I I feel like Perhaps we're not as left as New Zealand here, but I feel like Scotland itself is a lot closer to New Zealand than than it is to like England politically. Yeah, I mean, cheap fuckers as well. <laughs> That's the Welsh, isn't it? And I mean, depending on what football team you support, you get called a cheap fucker here too. Yeah, I suppose I don't really do football. Um, one of my one of my choir members tested positive for COVID two weeks ago. I know they older. No, my age. Okay. Um, apparently on the men, but they just felt awful. Apparently for the last couple of weeks, and they're still really fatigued with it. Um, yeah, that's something that um was talked about talking we had like a brief intro to epidemiology in general mm, is it, about that. generally they tend to talk about death rate but what's kind of more important to like medical professionals is how many years of someone's life it's going to take morbidity yeah. rather than mortality mm. indeed Okay, uh, I believe we are about ready to segue into our actual subject. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Quite a lot of news. Well, um, I did. I mean, we're not going to do it, but I did. I did float the idea of of rebranding as the Breaking Bollocks Report, didn't I? But, um, but we're not going to do that. I just uh, it, it is kind of half and half, really, isn't it? Because I mean, mm. whatever subject we're talking about, it is difficult to keep talking for. I'm sure this didn't used to be two hours long when we first started. I'm sure. I think it was an hour at first. Yeah, um, but then we started doing like the streams. Don't cross the streams. No, uh, I'm going to go get another beer so that you have a convenient edit point. When you say go get another beer. Well, I'm going to walk over there, yeah, but it might take not, me a while. <laughs> but it's not really going to be... Uh, I'm not going to have to edit it, am I? Because you're still here and I'm still talking to you. It might take a while. Yeah, but... Oh, I've got an itchy leg. What did you think of Samuel Adams' Boston Lager, by the way? It was nice. Cool. What are you on now? Ah. I am on Desperado's tequila flavoured. Um... The strongest of our biz. <laughs> For tonight, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I don't overdo it and spew again. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, a bit annoying. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, what, what are we going to say about humanity? 
<laughs> quite a bit to say. Well, go on then. Get started. Uh, what have you got to say about it? Well, I I think we should mention humanism. Yeah. Um, what do you want to start with that? Okay. Well, I just did. I just mentioned it. Uh, basically, what humanism is for people that do not know is sort of um, because like, I am an atheist humanist, basically. Well, because um, atheism is more just the lack of a belief mm. in a god. It's it's not really got any particular belief systems. So you could find atheists that are absolute fucking nightmares, and I think it's do a bit of a reaction hold. to this. Um, Incorrect assumption that a lot of people have that without some kind of religious compass, if you like, there's no moral goodness in in humanity um, that comes from being human rather than it, from a religious. I, I guess it's text. sort of a philosophical stance um, that y- you might see like as being akin to a religion in a way but it's not quite as dogmatic no and i suppose part of humanism is accepting that religion is a part of humanity it's just that it's not the guiding principle it's just kind of it's just something that has been a part of humanity over the years and humanism tends to look on it as a kind of it's not a necessity. It's yeah. something that some humans do, but but the goodness, the the kind of the moral compass, if you like, comes from the fact that we're human and not from some divine. I mean, there's the whole sort of um, uh, not believing in God type thing, but then there's also like pushing for various human rights. Uh, as well as, as we've talked about, like euthanasia and abortion and um, just trying to sort of make things generally a bit more secular. And it's a kind of it's a kind of a positive view of humanity, isn't it? Because I think there is this it's an antidote to that kind of negative. Um, I mean, I, I know more about Christianity than other Abrahamic religions or other religions of any kind, really. Um and there is that vein to it that we are um, in Christianity that we are all sinners, you know, that we're all we've all fallen short of what God intended, and that that it's through the belief and the following of the religion that that we redeem ourselves, if you like. Whereas with humanism, it's like, well, no, there is there is inherent hope in humanity. We've got this far. We are highly adaptable as a species. We are essentially morally good, um, on the whole, and there is hope for us as a species. Yeah, I guess it's sort of the optimistic, it's sort of the optimism that you get, and sort of per- sense of purpose. Really, it's responsibility, with, isn't it? Yeah, that but you we get. Can, with, we uh, can be good. Because you sort of have that idea of like getting into heaven, that sort of is meant to give you purpose. Mm. Um, but the idea is for, for a humanist is that we can be good for its own sake. We can be good because yeah. making people happy is nice, not because we want an eternal reward. It, it, it's sort of that, oh, you find your own purpose type of thing. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I know there are a lot of people that are far more moderate in their religious views than um, some of those that you see. Like, uh, what was that? The, the two-part Richard Dawkins um, documentary that was based on um, the God Delusion. It was, I think, it was called "The Root of All Evil." Um, right, yeah. And he he went um, interviewing people, and and there was um, basically the the kind of religious people who don't see how anyone would have a reason to be good and and to not do bad things if they didn't have a, a guidebook, a religion, or a god. And it's like, well, actually, to me, that's that's far worse than being godless because it's actually claiming that if it wasn't for the fact that you were being watched or judged or it, you would you would just steal and rape and pillage and 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 just do all the bad things because you'd have no reason not to off of i mean i, I guess it's not entirely off of religion but it it's i sort of get that sense when people talk about like smacking children to like instill discipline it's like well shouldn't they learn why what they've done is bad or wrong if, if it is wrong because i remember getting told off for a lot of things that i were like reasonable ways to break the rules um yeah and i couldn't really see why because there wasn't a good justification necessarily but that that i think i was gonna say our generation but i think my generation and to a further extent probably your generation as time goes on are getting further away from that authoritarian um, outlook um, and that whole kind of spare the rod and spoil the child thing is is disappearing um, because there is for, for me that whole thing about leading by example is far more healthy surely than just I mean they talk about it as though it's respect but it's not as fair, really. Yeah. Um, I work out what that tastes like. Tequila. But I've not had tequila before. It like, makes you it's, happy. Um, like <laughs> limeade. Yeah, I. I'm not sure if tequila has an inherently lime flavor to it, but I know people do put. Like a slice of lime in tequila, don't they? Tequila and lime? I might know? be tasting that. Don't know. I mean, it's looks like it's got a marijuana leaf on the label, but it's not. Is it like uh, mint? Is that what they put in tequila? What's that? Oh, it's mojito, isn't it? Yeah. Has that got tequila in it? Uh, no. What am I talking about then? I don't know. <sighs> I thought that said tomato then on my beer. What are we going to talk about with humanity? I feel like we've covered the whole subject already. You, you're very bizarre. Um, well, Being human. How, how long do you think this shit show is going to last? The human race? Yeah. Um, well, it depends on what you mean by the human race. Um because how long has it gone on so far? Where where do you draw the line and say that's where we became human? Um, 
and mm. what will the next line be? Are you talking about Homo sapiens in particular, or just like well, exactly? What, I, I'm not. I'm. 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 It's not a rhetorical question, but it's. I think it's a. You know, I mean, we we kind of. If you're talking about the quality of being human as a species, we have become more refined in that sense from what we were before, I suppose, in that there were primates. You probably know a lot more about this than me. Yeah. Um, But in terms of the definition of what we think of as human now, we've obviously, as, as the eons have gone on, we've become more like what that definition is from wherever we were even as microbes you know so it's would you describe it more as a condition rather than something of biology um i would describe it as an abstract concept just like everything else but what 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 do we define it as um well Homo sapiens, um, the sapiens part of it, I mean, sapient is to basically to be wise. Yeah, I mean, uh, so the, is the word human isn't isn't the same as humanity, is it? No, but um, would you say humanness is akin to being? I mean, superficially wise because we do a lot of stupid stuff despite our wisdom. Yeah, uh, well, we talk about it in terms of, rather than wisdom, we talk about intelligence, don't we? Yeah, and intelligent, why, that sort of thing. Um, there are different kinds of intelligence. Um, see, that's something that I'm interested in as well, is, and it's, I'm not sure if it's partly driven by wealth inequality it may well be that may be an evolutionary um, mechanism but is there in the future going to be or is there already um, beginning like a branching off of a less intelligent version of humans than Mind you, wealth wealth and intelligence don't go hand in hand, do they? I mean, there's not really a big barrier between two groups of human. I mean, they'll they'll be like isolated groups out in the Amazon or... Is there an evolutionary advantage where we are at the moment? Is there really, uh, an evolutionary advantage to being well off, being, uh, you know, not in poverty? Um, well, because evolution evolution doesn't think in terms of justice, does it? It doesn't. There is no sense of right and wrong. It's just a question of whether or not somebody is more likely to survive. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, I mean, I suppose what we're really talking about is whether or not there's a genetic difference, whether or not poverty causes a genetic difference. Okay. Um. Normally, people look at that the other way around. Um, well, not the people that I like, but um, I mean, capitalism's a lot faster than mm. evolution would ever be. Like, yeah. 
these you're talking about hundreds of generations at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for real change to start happening. So we we've changed our environment I mean, we, to suit us far, faster than our genetics have changed essentially. Yeah. And I suppose when um, extreme events come along, such as climate change and viruses and stuff like that, mm. as a species, how we adapt defines. I think that 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 is our biggest asset as human, of, of human, the biggest asset of humanity, and I think the thing that's kept us from extinction when other species haven't survived is our ability to adapt. Yeah, well, disease is, like, one of the big evolutionary drivers. Um, and I think I've referred to this before. It does become a race, doesn't it? Because It's essentially the point of sex to kind of um, have genetic diversity so you can be immune to diseases because we are riddled with parasites. But yeah. as long as we're immune to them, we don't really notice. And... We're dependent on some of them, aren't we? A symbiosis going on. Yeah. Um, that that wouldn't really be... Good bacteria. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they, they might be disease-causing organisms if they mutated or if they were in another organism. Yeah. So, humanity in terms of biological adaptation is one thing. Um Adaptation to our environment. Now, we, in terms of, um, what would you call it? The climate hasn't really drastically changed during humanities. I mean, we've been through warmer and colder periods, haven't we? But if we had, we haven't really had as quick a change as we're getting at the moment, have we? Uh, during our evolutionary stage, not on like a over like the course of a few decades, really. I mean, after a mass extinction, maybe, but hmm. that would be like really early days for humanity, if you could even call it humanity at that point. We're still over eight billion of us, aren't we, at the moment? Uh, I think it's seven point eight billion. I thought we'd gone over eight billion. I think we're predicted to next year, or at least within this decade. Uh, um. So. Yeah, 7.8 billion. I mean, we're... We're responsible for other species dying out, aren't we? Um, Quite a few, but uh, species go extinct all the time. It's interesting, looking at this, you've got projections up here on the Worldometers info, talking about United Nations projects world population to reach 10 billion in the year 2057. How does that, I mean, unless there's a drastic change in um, the provision of food and stuff like that, surely there's going to be 
more and more people living in poverty. Because um, I mean, I mean, if we is... can't if we if we can't divide things up fairly between seven point eight billion, then what an I extra think two billion? I've is kind seen of... a lot of um, is over the next over this century is like Africa's probably going to industrialize and. Some superpowers are going to arise there, like Nigeria and yeah. uh, Ethiopia, also mm. um, DR Congo. Like th- those cities are going to grow quite a bit, which means they're going to have power because they have people. But um, do they have, or will they have the ability to create, um, to cultivate? You know, like to farm the continent. Um, I mean, because there's a lot of desert, isn't there, in Africa? Yeah, and that's going to be a big problem for a lot of countries with climate change because yeah. the Sahara is basically growing. Yeah. Um, so they, they sort of have to actively fight against that as well as. And then in other places, you've got rainforests being cleared for like soya production. Um, yeah, well. It's sort of a thing of like we've kind of gotten the chance to industrialize while it wasn't costing us too much. Yeah, and now that will actively hurt like Africa and South America a lot more. Even though like it's kind of equivalent to what we would have done. Will industrialization be the same thing for them though? Um, in other words. Obviously, and it's still going on um, a lot, is the dependence on fossil fuels and, and the basically raping the planet, as I call it, as I think of it. Or will we be will they be able to take advantage of the cleaner technologies that we're kind of developing? Um I mean like with all of that, sure surely solar power in Africa would be a massive asset that we maybe didn't have as much and it would kind of be potential from expensive i think for them at the moment but um i've i've noticed china's uh in particular investing well they've got that whole like silk road thing um which is kind of like it i think they're trying to fund like infrastructure around like the neighboring countries like all the way to Africa and also investing in various things there so they basically got soft political power is that is that a bad thing i I'm, mean it's I'm sort thinking... of like it, it, there will be good results of that but like you do, it's i mean you quite don't clear they're doing that for political reasons yeah but i mean while you don't want too much um authoritarian interference surely the development of a lot of the middle east area could on- could only improve things surely mind you um, they've got israel slap bang in the middle which is right in america's pocket isn't it or the other way around i think uh, you don't necessarily have to go past um israel to get into africa no, I suppose, yeah, because you've got waterways, haven't you, and stuff. Well, that, and I think there is something that borders Egypt. Yeah. Isn't Israel. Uh, 
Possibly Jordan or yeah. Saudi Arabia. But that that whole kind of yeah, I suppose the where the, where where more of the trouble is is a bit further north than than that, isn't it? Um, kind of more to the east, north, south, yeah, like, sort of northeast. Um, I reckon Iran and Syria and Iran's doing kind of okay, I think. I mean, politically, it's quite authoritarian, but like, it's not. See, war-torn. that's the thing when when we're talking about and thinking about humanity, we probably have a very well, we definitely have a very different perspective on it as Western citizens, yeah, than the vast majority of the human race in numbers. Yeah, well, like I think more people live inside. Like if you do a tiny, sorry, if you do like a circle around China and India and Southeast Asia, more people would live inside there than live out of it. Oh, it's down here. Sorry, I was, I was waiting for you to get me another beer, but it's down here. Humanitaire. Um, yeah. I mean, it's difficult. It's a weird time because they say that there are countries that are kind of relative and doing relatively normally compared to how we are at the moment, but in what way? I mean, with the coronavirus situation. Um, it's The further away we get from what was regarded as normal before, the more difficult it is to remember how it felt. Um, I mean, uh, it, I've, I feel like it would... Uh, it's going to happen gradually, so it's not going to be as jarring as it was when we did that quick lockdown in March. As things return to normal gradually, it's not going to be that noticeable. But if if tomorrow everything was suddenly back to normal, it would feel fucking weird to me to be going to the cinema and to be going out to eat in busy restaurants and to be potentially going on holidays. And Yeah, I mean, like I've sort of had my first sort of venture into like going out on my own which I, I imagine will be a lot more disorientating um am i saying that right um when you have more people there in the crowds that i tend to struggle with more yeah i mean the thought of going to a gig now yeah i don't i don't know how i i I I just can't figure out how I had the energy for any of that. Like going like into school five days a week and just doing so much. It's like I I I I struggle now (laughs) to just keep up with just sitting in bed all day. Essentially, maybe that's why because you're sitting in bed all day. Yeah, maybe, but um. I mean, there is, to a certain extent, when you've got shit to do, you do just tend to get on and do it. I mean, when you when you go into uni um, for your practicals twice a fortnight, you, you're not really thinking, oh, I don't have the energy for this. You just get on and you do it because it's what you've got to do that day. Yeah, I, I, I nearly break down crying usually, but, you know. <laughs> okay. What just for just 
because you've got to go out. No, I, I feel like it when, like, things are awkward and minor things go wrong. Yeah. But, like, um, yeah, I get what you mean, like, falling down. The moment I walked out of Union Square... <laughs> that wouldn't have helped. But... Hitting my fucking knee, I just had that all day. And yeah. Like, mm. probably should have dealt with it or even looked at it, but, like, I just didn't want to because mm. fuck mm. that. Mm. Um. But like I dealt with that a lot better then when I didn't really know what it was. I could just sort of feel something kind of wet and hurty. I wonder how it feels. I mean, talking about humanity, I wonder how it feels to people who are in charge, oh, they've just lived a different life, haven't they? I'm trying to trying to put myself in the position of politicians and prime ministers and presidents and stuff like that. Not all of them, but some of them. You just think, well, I can't really put myself in their position because their life has been so different from mine that I can't. I'd, I'd, I'd never want to be a politician. I mean, I don't think I'd be good at it, but also, like, it it just seems like the sort of thing where you just sort of lose sight of anything that makes you... It must be... You. It's not the same thing, but it must, to a certain extent, be a similar kind of thing to... A similar kind of concept to how you have to be as, like, a soldier or a policeman or working in the health service, and that you have to develop an ability to detach from whatever it is, from the humanity of whatever it is you're dealing with, because you're, you've got to get a job done. And for a, you know, for a surgeon or somebody who works in A&E, you can't, when you're doing the job, you can't be dwelling on the hum- human aspects of it. You've just got to fix someone i guess that's kind of admirable when you're doing but for a politician you're basically lives. you're basically just looking at numbers but like when you're being asked to like commit war crimes or tell people to commit war crimes then like that's but, a pretty different but do you know what i mean when thing. it boils down to it you're basically you're just manipulating numbers in a capitalist society it's about what's the most profitable thing to do yeah, I imagine you get very detached quite quickly from yeah. the the actual sort of material impacts. Like, well, this is why I don't like the approach that Keir Starmer's taking with the whole um, Labour Party thing. Is that uniting the party um, in a way that is going to make them electable seems to be becoming more important than having ideals, having political. Um, ideologies that that are worth sticking to. Yeah, I mean, I I think most people would agree that Jeremy Corbyn it definitely has strong beliefs that he stood by. Like success is more important. What? It's like success is more important than. I mean, that's possibly more indicative of, like, what actually got them to the position where they're able to make those decisions. Like, that sort of attitude where you don't really care about the impact, but... Pardon me? You know, it's sort of, like, how half the Tory cabinet is, like, disgraced politicians, but they're very cutthroat, so Mm. that's how they got to the cabinet. 
not because of any skill or merit. I mean, I guess it is a weird kind of skill to exploit people and um, so do you think humanity steal your way to the top? Humanity means different things to different people. Yeah. Well, yeah. So what? Um, what does humanity mean to somebody who's in charge of a country? What does humanity mean to royalty? What does humanity mean to us? I don't know how the fucking royals even. What does it mean to I, black people? Um, well, there is that kind of thing of um, kind of the reason that um, you know how you were saying earlier about um, you know, black isn't a nationality, mm. but a lot of the reason why like black or African Americans become popular is because like those people don't know where they came from. Like their ancestors were brought on ships. Yeah. And it's sort of gotten lost in the annals of history. Oh right, yeah, I never thought of that. That because I mean they, there's a lot of there's a lot that may have never been to the country of their heritage, if you like. But they at least they know where it is. I think a lot of people are doing like trying to do like sort of pilgrimages almost to mm. where they think they might be from, but because it was kind of very messy part of history. Yeah, yeah. You know, the slavers didn't really care about where they came from. I'm just trying to imagine in my mind how that would feel to not actually know. Well, I mean, I'm not. I mean, it must happen nowadays, but I'm sure that there'll be a lot more people who don't know where their grandparents came from rather than where they actually themselves came from. I mean, the only reason you're not going to know where you came from is if you were relocated um, well, as it, a young child, of, really. Um, or unless not where you came memory. from, as in, like, where you were born, but what sort of cultural heritage yeah. you might have. Yeah, yeah. But at that point, that becomes a lot more sort of... Because a lot of different people were just brought together with that shared experience... So how does it feel to have English heritage? Uh, it's not, not great. Kind of done a lot of shitty things. I mean, Scotland had as well. Like, they're as complicit in the British Empire as England, but... Mm. But if you go far enough back, I mean... I don't know. We had people coming from. Uh, I mean, there were the, the the Vikings that came over, weren't there? There were the Anglo-Saxons, and there were the Normans and the Romans, and yeah. I mean, you need only really look at the English language to see that Britain's kind of got a bit of a clusterfuck of cultures. Before you even go into like the sort of mass migration of the twentieth century, and mm. like it, it, it's well, our royal family are German. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, medieval politics is weird. <laughs> mm. 
That was, that was something that I found quite interesting, actually, because of a lot of the Black History stuff that's been coming up. And, and the one of the things that came up, people are um, very unlikely to... Um, like, there might be token references to, say, people like Bob Marley or, or other black artists, but they tend to be quite selective. Um, and black culture which has like a violent streak to it like some of the hip-hop stuff is very frowned on whilst at the same time which is which is a in some ways a fair enough comment only if you then don't go and celebrate the white violence when you look at our history books and you see how people like Henry VIII are portrayed and what an absolute horrible man he was. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, well, it, it's like, that's just one example. But I mean... You look at something like... I mean, I know it's fictional, but a lot of the sort of inspiration for it is taken from what um, historical figures would have actually been like... Um, Game of Thrones, like it very much glorifies that sort of very callous nature in which, like, the, the people are almost like never mentioned until they're a problem. Well, you can go to the Tower of London and, as a tourist, look around torture that, chambers. That is really freaky now <laughs> thinking about it, like, and, and learn about how people used to, f- for entertainment, come to watch somebody get hung, drawn, and quartered. Yeah. That, like, that, I learned that's, that that's white culture, which is is fed to tourists. I learned and that yet, in primary school. Yeah, about like yeah, um, William Wallace. Yeah, and there's no there's no issue with that for us in our white society to learn that stuff. But then there's deep criticism of anything which ref- references black violence. I guess because a lot of that is a lot more relevant today. So it means you have to actually have that conversation and go, oh, actually, the world's not a nice place. Like, mm. it's shitty for a, this whole group of people for no other reason really other than uh, they were born on the wrong piece of rock or their ancestors were. Mm. Which we've arbitrarily drawn lines around. Yeah. I wonder as well, um, I don't know the historical background behind it, but what? Uh, obviously there are common aspects between different races of human beings. But at what point did they kind of... I mean, it's not like you've got converging species, is it? We are all... A single species. Where did we branch off into different races? Um, I mean, it, that's not really a thing of speciation. Humans are kind of weird. Where we'll draw these like race isn't really anything that's like hard coded. Like it's just skin pigmentation. Is it like like we have slightly different skin pigments? 
But is it, is it a similar concept to having different breeds of dogs and cats? No, not really. Or not even that kind of... It, it's it's just like having different hair colour, really. Yeah. That's mad, isn't it? Or different eye colour. Because, yeah. I mean, we have that and we're very closely related. Yeah. Um, but we, we don't separate people on that. But in, in another version of history, we might What the fucking hell is that all about? I just don't get it. I, the human... I I am a humanist in that I'm very optimistic and I think we're adaptable and stuff and I think we can get through it and I think you've got to kind of approach it in that way to actually get anywhere but but it's so easy to think you know we're so fucked up as a species as well yeah it's like how how do you, how do you, how do you come to terms with the fact that we do the things that we do as a species and it's not just it's not just coming to terms with the things that we did you know, like the the torture chambers and the crusades and all and the slavery and all that. Or actually, I'm going to make an effort to to learn from um, our um, decolonization of music lecture that we had, and rather than saying slavery, the enslavement of um, black people. I mean, was there any white slavery? Um. I suppose you not think, on the same scale, really. At no, any point in history. you probably were looking at like sort of chimney sweeps in Dickensian Britain, sort of child slavery but in that sense. But exploitation, not, but that yeah. was kind of the standard at yeah, the time. Yeah. It was maybe, maybe it's still sort of selling. There. Yeah, but anyway, what was I going to say? Yeah, but well, yeah, the chimney sweeps were paid there's, somewhat. There's there's shit going on now. And I suppose it's, there's always going to be bad shit going on, isn't it? It's, it's, it's the overall balance, really, that's what defines humanity as a whole. Because there's always going to be anomalies. You're always going to get crazy psychos or... Yeah. Whether or not they get any control or or how much influence they are allowed to garner. It it does worry me with um could you know, you can laugh at Trump Do you or think you want sane? But as sane as any of them are. To see you kinda him, have to be insane to venture into American politics. The thing is to see to see him only weeks after he supposedly had coronavirus going out saying that as of Tuesday it's just going to you're not going to hear about it anymore because it's just going to go away it's not going to be mentioned anymore it's like what planet do you live on you know it's like i mean uh, is it, is is he actually is he sane is he is he right in the head no <laughs> but um as much as you can laugh at like his various foibles and looking weird and having small hands, like th- there is a serious threat there. Of, like, yeah, America is. I mean, you could say there is already, but it, it's definitely venturing further into fascism, essentially. Yeah, and we're seeing this rise of at least right-wing authoritarian leaders, which seems like a bit of a sort of nice way of saying fascist. 
Well, England seems to be doing the same, but not, yeah. to, the same, not to the same extent yet. But the trouble is, even though that's happening, it's a general balance thing. There are still a lot of people who are perfectly reasonable and becoming more scared as it's happening. At what That's point? Kind of what they feed on, though. Yeah. At what, at what point do of... those people start to keep quiet because they're worried about repercussions? Well, there's a lot of perfectly reasonable people voted for the Tories at this election. A, a lot of people that had whatever reason did so, but I mean. You can say that they're wrong in that particular thing, but that might be because they're scared of the whatever EU immigrants or something else. They're you, scared of change. Do you think they have been? More do you think they have been duped into thinking that the Conservatives aren't as dangerous as they are? Yeah, well, naturally. I mean, basically, by them being the status quo, they've they've kind of gotten that mm. across that they're not yeah, this kind of weird thing. We're that still here as a country. Yeah. yeah, we're still here, and we've been in charge for this long. And- I've I've had that attitude with a lot of people more in the Cameron days of like. Oh well, things are all right, and they've been in power for a while. Don't rock so. the boat, like better the devil you know, sort of thing. But then it's like, well, no, everything's not okay. Like poverty has seen a massive increase, well, especially for the children. Thing is, well, that, that's the point, isn't it? For a lot of people, things are okay. And if you're one of those people, if you're lucky enough to be one of those people, then great for you. But it's not until you start to experience things not being okay that you realise that for a lot of people they're not and there's a lot more people things are getting not okay for now yeah i mean as as horrible as it is it's sort of again that sort of silver lining thing of this could be a real catalyst for change will it be though that's the thing how 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 optimistic can you be yeah i mean how 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 much hope do you dare to dream is going to come to fruition? Yeah, it's always that. Yeah. You want to. I mean, it's. I suppose Martin Luther King. You got. You got to hold up examples of people who, in the, in the face of absolute massive opposition, had the guts to stand up and say. I have a dream that this can happen, you know. But yeah, that speech wasn't a moment. There was a lot behind that. Yeah. Like, they had been garnering support for years, not yeah. just in like 1969, like things have been brewing since like 1963, I think. Yeah, but I mean, that's over 50 years ago and still here we are, Black Lives Matter being a something that people are kind of... Yeah, but but it, it, while it, progress is always ridiculously slow, it, it is that sort of thing of you know two steps forward, one step back. It it, it and that's frustrating to hear for anyone who's yeah you know 
not. It's difficult for me to look back and, I mean, I know the Thatcher years were seen as um, a terrible time for a lot of the country, but it's very difficult for me to look back at that and really think about what things were really like for a lot of people in that decade because I was pretty privileged really you know I was pretty I was quite well protected I, I was the son of a teacher um I went off to music college I was at a private school for some of it I, I was doing well musically I, I, I wasn't you know my my parents jobs weren't in under threat at all so I didn't really suffer in the Thatcher years um I saw a lot of stuff going on on the news but none of it really affected me that much I mean, it, it, it'll be this sort of knock-on domino effect where, like, the sort of attitude, I guess, that that kind of government um, fostered probably did affect you in at least some ways. Well, I remember seeing a film, um, which I'd highly recommend. I'm not sure if the sequel was as good. I don't know if I've seen the sequel, but the film Wall Street... Which um, I think was late 80s. Uh, Michael Douglas, Gordon Gecko. Uh, it sounds like a cartoon character. Very good film. Uh, but he basically plays a. Uh, millionaire tycoon, sort of. He, there's a big speech that he gives in it um, where he basically says. Uh, greed is good and you know it, it was that whole thing in the towards the back end of the 80s that had been nurtured about how financial success was something to aspire to and yuppies were a thing where you know you had your file of faxes and, and with with that I think um, making a making a shit ton of money was probably respectable. Politically, what impacted you more would have been the sort of cultural impact of Reaganomics, right? Which because American means. culture is a lot more widespread, even in the UK. Yeah, what was Reaganomics? That sort of trickle down economics type thing of give loads of tax cuts to the rich and. The poor will see the benefits, even though they never intended them to. Well, I mean, you say that uh, the, there's maybe there was maybe some underlying sort of psychological recognition of what was going on, but I really had no interest in politics at all back then. And generally, the world it was a lot easier to to not have any involvement in politics or or any knowledge really of what was going on because you had to really make sure you were in front of the telly at the right time to see the news I mean it wasn't even a case of like nowadays you, you know you've got 24 hour news but you've also got on demand services and stuff like that but it wasn't even a case back then that for a lot of the 80s until the very late 80s we didn't even have uh, a video recorder so it was live TV or nothing at all, you know. Um, so, and even when we did get a video recorder, why would you set it to record the news? And the news was only really on twice in the evening. Yeah. So it tended to pass you by. My 
I suppose my first exposure to political stuff was in secondary school when I started doing current affairs. Current affairs was a subject. Oh, well, we have, like, modern studies now. That's essentially the same thing. Yeah. But we had worksheets and stuff. I mean, I remember learning about apartheid in current affairs at school. And it's like, how how is that not something that everyone knew about at the time? You know? I mean, I'd heard of it. I just had no idea what it was. You know? Um, and this was all at the time that Nelson Mandela was... A big thing, you know, I remember. Uh, and that's an awareness thing that was going on. I think that actually is, it, that for me is where the optimism is most evident. Um, because suddenly when I was thinking about the whole Nelson Mandela thing, you've got the whole politics situation. You can't not see, excuse me while I vomit over the microphone. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, oh, that hurt. No shit. Um, the struggle, you know, when you've got when you've got people like Nelson Mandela and Gandhi, and obviously that was before my time, but you know what I mean. When you've got people embarking on political struggles, then you know that there is a fight to be had. There's something that needs to be put right. Yeah. But when you see the whole world come together to address an issue, I mean. Live Aid was an example of of that. But then there was the Nelson Mandela um, concert, um, which was... It wasn't as big as Live Aid, but it was basically... It was, it was an all-day concert that a lot of artists came together to basically demand that Nelson Mandela be freed. Um and that political pressure coming from all over the world, you know, it's like when you see people coming together in in it's art, isn't it? It's kind of mm. the general and sport as well, you know. There's there's hope in sport, you know. Maybe not some of the politics that goes on behind it, but the the actual sport itself and the art itself, there are human endeavors going on that there's a little thing that, like, I mean, it's people, easy to people focus do on the, bad for the shit. joy of it rather than to get something out of it. Yeah, it's easy for us to focus on the bad shit because you you you're bombarded with it on the news all the time. Yeah, I, um, but there's so much going on. I mean, there's there's scientists, there's like there's people pushing back the boundaries of human achievement and knowledge and and learning about the universe and hopefully that'll be me soon. I mean, a lot of the. I did actually of- think that the other day. I thought, I thought, if you keep going with what you're doing, you you could actually feasibly you could you could come up with a, a cure for coronavirus and win a Nobel Prize. Uh, well, actually, a teenager <laughs> did um, find something that looked promising for. Uh, yeah, and exactly, and that's where this is where where the research happens is in uh, in universities. I, mean, I don't know. I I don't think microbiology is particularly my thing. Like, it's interesting enough, but, like... You know what I mean? I like evolution. There's a lot of people... There might be a lot of... Society might be geared towards... It might be measuring the progress of society in numerical terms, in financial terms. But 
there's an awful lot of us that are I do in it for the wonder that with like the politics and law students, how many of them are getting into that for uh, well, particularly more like law students, like getting into that for like just money, or whether they actually want to make a difference in that. Yeah, I see. I like a good courtroom drama, <laughs> but I think that illustrates a some something that um, it's an interesting one because it uh, again, there's got to be a detachment there with legal systems, isn't there? That you've you've got to be representing people who are innocent, but you've also got to be representing people who are murderers. And yeah, in extreme cases, but yeah. And but you, you your job and your responsibility under under the you know, it's like an oath kind of thing is that you have to represent them to the best of your ability and get them the best legal representation. And there's no I don't think you can really you have to as much as possible separate yourself from what's right and what's wrong you know, kind of abandon the idea of a moral code and look at what the law says and what yeah. the law is going to be able to. And I suppose you, you you do have a certain amount of influence in terms of setting precedents in courtrooms and stuff like that. I suppose that's where the real, the real change comes about. But, you know... There must be a hell of a lot of just going through the motions and processing case after case of the usual bullshit, you know. Yeah. Helping somebody to get away with something that you deep down as a human being think is absolutely fucking atrocious that they've done, but you've got to represent them to get them the best deal. I mean, I guess with that also, um, even if you know that they've done something quite horrible, like most of those people would plead guilty for whatever reason. Sometimes that can be because the legal system's pretty broke. Um, but you're trying to help them get what what's fair. Yeah. Like, even if they are murderers, they don't deserve necessarily... And I suppose the other thing is... What they would get without your defence. You're not... As, as, a, as, a, as a lawyer you're not there to pass judgment. And if somebody has committed murder, they're still a human being and they have reached that point in their life where they've committed that crime through whatever they've lived through. And yeah. the decisions that they've made are obviously a part of that. But I don't think anyone um, has the right to... Well, everybody has the right to believe or think what they want, but I think people are wrong if they believe that they're not capable of anything under the right circumstances or the wrong circumstances. Um, I think that's where people people who do tend to be judgmental have this idea that they would never do something. Yeah. Well, but I think like that. everyone is capable of anything pushed. Well, th- there's always that high professional love. Oh, if you were in nineteen thirty Germany, would you fight back? Yeah. Most people didn't. Yeah, yeah. 
either out of fear or out of apathy. I mean, a lot of people didn't even know what was going on with the Holocaust. But um, no. And I, I, I gotta say, I, I find it quite, quite easy to believe that a lot of people would just stand by and let things gradually happen like that again. I mean, you could argue that they are right now. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess there is a positive. That you hope that it's not going to get that far, but you can see how it could, with information being a lot more. Uh, available like you were saying like you were detached because the news was only on like twice a day yeah like, but in the 30s like this... that wouldn't like tv yeah wouldn't even exist really no i mean even that you'd have been watching path a newsreels at the cinema you know um yeah like which everything were already would be from, a week out of date or whatever then everything would be from newspapers that were significantly influenced obviously which of course they're not now. <laughs> well, yeah, but but yeah, you've got stuff like Double Down News and WikiLeaks, and you know, like or just people that know stuff about something that you don't. There's a negative side to that, though, as well. You've also got all the conspiracy theorists as well. Yeah. So, like that freedom of information is great overall, but. You've got a lot of people that d just don't have the discernment to weed out the bullshit, and everything is being fed. Yeah, there that's a, a a mass amount of information. Like, like I I found, and I'm, pardon me. I'm wondering if you, because you've sort of. I haven't really lived before the internet. Like I've, I've lived a bit before social media was that big. But so I found quite funny actually. Uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but um, one of the other podcasts I listened to, uh, I think it was "Customer is Always Weird" because I've listened to about three episodes of that. I mean, as, what's great is being back out delivering pizzas again. I'm getting a chance to pick up on all the podcasts that I've not been able to listen to that much. Um, and they were talking about uh, something, and they they read out reviews and stuff. Hi, Ryan and Dan and. The other one. <laughs> I always forget his name. Sorry. Um, they don't listen to us anyway because we're shit. But what was I going to say? Yeah, saying about in one of the reviews they were reading that it, that was written in 2002 that the person had written WTF. And they were really surprised that 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 was even a thing back then. It like that, you know, they thought that that might be like well, the first person to use the phrase WTF. Um, but I remember first moving to Scotland uh, and I was, uh, I mean, I certainly wasn't the first, uh, among the first to be having like a home computer or to be on online. I was, uh, the World Wide Web, uh, I suppose it was pretty quick. The World Wide Web was 95, wasn't it? Um, I mean, the internet was there before that. They had like chat rooms and, and mail servers and all that sort of stuff. Uh, what do they call them? News servers. That was a lot of what was going on. Um, but it was a lot more geeky before then. 1995 was the birth of the World Wide Web, and that's when it be began to become far more publicly accessible for people yeah. who weren't nerds and knew how to set up a news server and, and take part in forums and stuff. Um, but yeah, 2001 
was when I got my first home computer. Um, and I remember back then they were using phrases like LOL and Ruffle Mayo and LMAO and stuff like that. So WTF would have been among them back then. Um, but it is easy to forget. I think, was it 2005 Facebook started? Thereabout. Sort of yeah. From there, things exploded, like especially with smartphones in 2008. Smartphones. See that one surprises me. Two thousand and eight, because that that you know, I remember before that there'd be people with Blackberries that could access emails, and I I think I had I had a mobile phone which I think you could set up to receive emails, but it would have been really clunky and not kind of. It's probably one of the most revolutionary things that like I can remember happening in my lifetime. Yeah, but. I don't know what you were going to say, but yeah, that whole kind of, in some ways, the 80s and the 90s, I suppose I, no- I noticed it more in the 90s because I was I was an adult by that point, even though I was shit-faced most of the time. <laughs> I loved the fact that I lived through my 20s in the 90s um, before all of this stuff happened because... I I felt I don't want to call it freedom, but you know you were on your own. It's like you're not in the wilderness, but you kind of when you were out. When I was out driving my taxi, there was a radio, like a CB radio, in the car that I'd call in and get the jobs back for the next job and stuff like that. But when I'm driving around, I was on my own. Nobody was in contact with me. When I went on holiday to Spain. I remember walking two miles from where we were staying to get to an international phone so I could phone my girlfriend back at home. And they um, phoned back and spent 40 quid on a phone call for like five minutes or something in Spain. So, like, you imagine you're going on holiday for two weeks. You don't get any contact. I mean, we... I remember once this taxi driver that was booked to pick me and Nan up to take us back to the airport. We we went out for a walk on the day that we were supposed to be leaving. Um, went down to the beach for a walk for an hour, and then we were gonna we were all packed and ready to get picked up to go to the airport. When we got back, the taxi driver was going fucking nuts, running around like sort of shit. I'm you know I've got to get you to the airport. You what time's your flight and all this lot. We hadn't even realised, and we'd been wandering around for like a week, wondering why the bank was never open when it should have been, but the clocks had changed while we were on holiday. And we didn't even know for a week. <laughs> you know, it was that kind of that kind of freedom that it didn't matter. Yeah, I but now I find it really difficult to sit on the loo in the morning without checking Facebook or my newsfeed. Yeah, like it, it's... And it's like you're a fucking mental prisoner. It's not good for your health, your mental health. But also, like, you know, while I probably wouldn't, like, uh, know about any particular subject in as much detail if I, like, read a book or even read a full article on something, Mm. um, just with having so many people just giving their opinions, some people that might, opinions might have merit, but, like, on so many different things, like... Your mind is just racing, and like everyone has a little bit of the information on some subject. It's information overload, isn't it? I mean, that I remember, you know, obviously there was the Industrial Revolution, and 
Um, I don't know what would it have been. Was there a media revolution, I suppose, in the sort of 80s and 90s? But this, I the information revolution, well, yeah, that's it's just of... kind of... It's just, I mean, it is. You've just got, suddenly you've just got everything, fucking everything at your fingertips, all competing for your attention. And it's like, we're, we're only, we're, we're still learning how to cope with this. I mean, the next big thing, I mean, it's sort of already happening. What with like um, ad algorithms and video recommendations, that kind of thing. The AI revolution. Yeah. And at that point, sort of, um, at what point does an AI become sentient? Can an AI be human? Or can it be human enough that we would accept it as human? Yeah, you're talking Terminator then, aren't you? Skynet. Um, not necessarily. A but there's bit, a always a horror aspect. Sci-fi always has that horror aspect. I mean, I remember back in the... I don't really remember, but I I know looking back that until Star Wars came along, um, sci-fi pre-Star Wars and probably a lot since then, but certainly pre-Star Wars was very bleak and very dystopian. It was all about... Star Trek as well. Uh yeah, I mean, that was TV, though. Um, oh, right. Cinema, Star Trek didn't come along until, I think it was 78. And um, the, the, move, the, the motion picture. Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars was 77, yeah. All right. Um, but it was... It was very a very bleak outlook of you know, the future. That's sort of to do with that sort of fear of the unknown and also... We're always worrying about the future, aren't we? Mm-hmm. It's sort of it. It takes a lot of energy and again optimism I come back to, to see good things happening. Yeah, again, I come back to the positive aspects, though. It's like, yes, there are always going to be negatives, but for instance, I. Um, I've started playing computer games a lot, haven't I, over the last few weeks since I got the Xbox. And, I mean, I've never really subscribed to this attitude that a lot of people have had about computer games just being being bad for you and, you know, kind of um, people getting addicted to them and, and stuff. Um People definitely do. It's just yeah. Sort of, it, it's sort of like the sort of people that rail against like marijuana and drinking. But I'm alcohol. definitely seeing the positive aspects of you know the there's hand-eye coordination and problem solving and entertainment as well. You know, there's certainly a lot of art and art in it and stuff. Yeah. And I think. I think there was a similar kind of reaction to television when that first came along. Um, and yet, um, you know, our sort of, well, probably more your grandparents' generation. I remember my grandparents. I mean, they did used to watch TV, but the TV was really kind of through in the front room and 
the front room being the posh room that you didn't really go in much. You just went in like at Christmas to watch films and stuff. But a lot of the rest of the time it was my granddad used to listen to the radio a lot, you know. And there's always something that's the new technology that gets frowned on by the people that didn't have it when they were kids. I mean, like smartphones are kind of in that category now, aren't they? That and there are bad aspects to it. There are addictive aspects to it, and the scrolling and That's stuff. There's got to be a way to deal with the mental health issues. Jealousy but. of not growing up with that, or do you think that's sort of like a fear of being left behind? I think it's more just a um, suspicion, suspicious outlook of the future. You know, it's kind of. Um, it is that nostalgic good old days looking through the rose-coloured spectacles and all this lot. Um, I mean, you've got, you've got to think as well. I mean, you know I, know, I know I'm only just 49 sort of thing, but as you get as you get along, as you grow older, I thought it was quite moving to see... Um, what was his name? The guy that played Del Boy in Only Fools and Horses being interviewed the other day on TV and he was talking about the roles that he's played. Obviously he was like in his mid twenties when they first started doing that stuff. And, and he just, at one point he just said, you know, and and you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, here I find myself um, sitting waiting for my next big role. And, And it's like, it just felt like he was talking about death, not, just getting another role on stage as it were because you know i mean how 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 much scarier must it be if you're in your 70s or 80s now not just to be thinking i, th- I think if i was if i was old what well, i think i was old i think i would be less scared of getting coronavirus and dying from it than i would of never seeing the world return to normal before i died that to know that the that there's the potential that the rest of my life could be spent in a pandemic, in a global pandemic. Do you think that would make you want to sort of go against the rules in the way that some people have to sort of say, well, I'm going to die anyway, and if I die during this, then that would be fucking miserable. No, nah, because I think I'm the kind of person that would sit, uh, sit at home and play computer games and, and write music and, and just go on the shit because I'm not a miserable <laughs> cunt. But <laughs> but there's plenty of people that are, so... <laughs> um, it takes all sorts, I have it? a Douglas Adams quote. Um, yeah, we should be winding up soon, shouldn't we? I've come up with a set of rules that describe our reactions to technologies. I've, re- I've seen this before, yeah. Good. Uh Anything that is in the world when you're born is normal and ordinary and is just a natural part of the way the world works. Anything that's invented between when you're 15 and 35 is new and exciting and revolutionary and you can probably get a career in it. Anything invented after you're 35 is against the natural order of things. I don't think I've read this book yet, Salmon of Doubt. Um... I've, I swear I've read this quote and I don't yeah, think I it's... I, I I swear it was in Hitchhikers, uh, one of them. I've definitely read Hitchhikers. I've definitely read Restaurant at the End of the Universe. I've definitely read um, Life of the Universe and Everything. I've definitely read 
mostly harmless. I'm not sure. I might have read. I think I've read so long. And thanks for all the fish. Um, and then is it the salmon of doubt? Is that the next one? Uh, I yeah, I assume so. But just not sure. What? I'm just not sure. The salmon of doubt. I'm just not sure. Oh, not salmon. At least I hope not. I'll probably smell like one at the moment. My fingers do. Well, I bought two sides of salmon. Um, reduced okay. to six. No, they were reduced to I six pound twenty-five from twenty-five quid. So I had to pick them up. Getting up to fishy been, business. I've been down there. You know, there's a law them. about handling salmon in suspicious circumstances in London. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> The salmon fondlers of Soho. Well, I mean, maybe that's what he's talking about. I don't know. Well, how would you be handling salmon in suspicious circumstances? The what the fuck? Nineteen eighty-six. Nineteen eighty-six. What the fuck? Like, see, like really... I was fifteen then. Yeah. Um, this is to do with the fisheries thing. Uh, the difference between legal and illegal salmon fishery. Okay. <laughs> Makes it illegal to handle salmon in suspicious circumstances. The Act defines what suspicious circumstances are. Oh, is it like- oh, handling in terms of... Um, yeah, but it's, it sounds like you're fondling. <laughs> like, I'm just like... Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I kind of want to put my finger in a in a salmon's mouth now and tickle it. They don't have teeth, do they? But you know that little the little opening that they call a mouth. It's a mouth. Yeah, that bit that goes. I want to tickle it with my finger now. I want to tickle it. The trout tickling's a thing. No, I'm sorry. Trout tickling is a thing. Maybe in certain parts of the web. No, it is. Seriously, you look at what's a trout tickler. I don't know. I don't want to look this up. It's my laptop. Okay, what is we're delving into the um, fish politics? What is a trout tickler? The art of rubbing the underbelly of a trout with fingers. If done properly, the trout will go into a trance after a minute or so and can then easily be thrown onto the nearest bit of dry land. It's been practiced for many centuries. Wow, it's in Shakespeare in Twelfth Night. I think that's rude. It's used as a metaphor for bamboozlement by Olivia's servant Maria, who is about to play a vengeful prank on the pompous Stuart Malvolio. Close in the name of jesting. Lie thou there, for here comes the trout that must be caught with tickling. <laughs> Shakespeare was often quite rude. Yes. A common practice used by boys, poachers, and working men in times of economic stress. Yeah. Oh. So if all comes to naught, if we can't find employment of a fiscally advantageous nature, we can always go tickle a trout or two. Um yeah, I'll I'll pass on that. Okay, shall we finish? Uh, probably. 
Because, I mean, there is a lot more to talk about with humanity. I didn't even... As usual, we've just talked bollocks, though, for... Get to um, the two books, well, book chapters that I've read for my course that very much pertain to humanity. Imagine a an alien species coming along in about 500 years' time and finding the ruins of a species called humanity. Mm. Yeah, it sort of makes you wonder, like, what would you leave behind? Like, will future archaeologists be examining your bottle of Samuel Adams and going, Oof, what were they drinking? Were well, they I was talking themselves? to an amateur student society chats, coffee chats. I was talking to a geo, 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 geoengineer, somebody who's doing geoengineering. And they were doing something on some kind of geography module thing. And they were talking about looking down through layers of earth and how far you have to look, go down to check out different um, parts of the past. And they were able to go down so many meters to find out um, the history of the birch tree in our area and when it was here and when it wasn't here and all that to do with the climate at the time and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, so so uh, chances are, if if we do all get killed off, they'll be able to dig down and find it, some kind of... That, that is of something interesting, sort of... The climate change. We, re- we might be the dinosaurs of the next million years. Relatively recently with, like, genome sequencing, like, mm. a lot of stuff has been uh, sort of expanded upon like where we'd previously just look at fossils somebody has got to be working with all of this money and power that some people have got somebody has got to be paying people to work on some kind of immortality yeah they've been trying to do stuff like that with like stopping gene sequencing well it's sort of like trying to stop that um Sort of program cell death, essentially. Yeah. But there apoptosis. are there are um, species that are essentially immortal, aren't there? Um, that uh, don't age. Yeah. I mean, see, I've often thought about this—the immortality thing. I, I, I'm, I think, quite unusual in that. If if I had the choice, I would choose to. to well, it's it's kind of like eventually, just by chance, you would probably develop cancer. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's just like old age might not be a thing, but does that not mean that in that case, something like murder or suicide or any way of of an early death or a, a, a an engineered death being brought about would be far more a far more serious? It would be like killing a god, because you 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 basically be ending an immortal's life. You'd be taking, you'd be curtailing the infinite that is an interesting point because like uh, uh, like i was saying just taking a few years off somebody with that like looking at how many years are lost if you're killing an immortal like that's potentially uh, it's an infinite crime well not necessarily (laughs) infinite because it wouldn't be infinite life you still got the heat death of the universe to worry about well yeah but i i doubt (laughs) most people that are immortal would live that long they wouldn't be immortal then would they well, they, unless they manage to transcend, aging, but unless they've managed to transcend the physical universe, and I, I, 
I wouldn't know how to do that. Well, clearly. Um, I mean, it, you can... There's been, like, talk of, like, transferring your consciousness into a robotic body. Yeah, but they, they can die, can't they? But then you kind of need to decide what consciousness is, and yeah. can that even be transferred? We ought to stop. We ought to. Should we wind up this the episode and then we can do some afterbirth? Um, we we should have a note to end on. Do and on that note, I've been Firebolt. I've been the Orbiter, and this has been Breaking Bullets episode seventy-one. A humanity. You've been the manatee. I want to tickle the trout now. It just sounds like a fetish. You think they giggle? (laughs) Do you think trouts giggle? I don't think they have the capacity. But, I mean, well, the thing is, it's obviously a thing, because it's... I've heard of it. It's in Wikipedia. It's a thing. Trout tickling is a thing. I know it's a thing. Yeah. But the art of rubbing the underbelly of a trout with fingers and doing it properly so that the trout goes into a trance. Who found that out? Uh, Probably some old codgers. I don't fucking know. Oh, let's rub the underbelly of this trout and see what happens. Oh, you're not doing it properly. How do you know? No one's ever done it before. He found out that if you rub two pieces of rock together really fast, you make this really hot thing. I think it's bullshit. What? I think somebody made this shit up because they came home after they'd been fingering their missus, their mistress, and the wife's gone, your fingers smell fishy. And they've gone, yeah, I've been trickling touts. I've been tickling trouts. What women have you been with? You want a list? No, <laughs> no, we we saved that for the third beer. All right, okay. Speaking of which, shall I stop recording? Quite possibly. I better had before we get to that third beer. Um, how do I do that? Oh yeah. This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network. 